Dotnet Rocks episode 936 with guest Mark Rendell. Recorded live at the NDC in London, Friday, December 6th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklins.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell at the Fishbowl at NDC London. Doing a lot of shows here. Mark Rendell is here. And we will be a code mash very soon. Yes. And then back to finish this damn road trip. <laughs> not complaining. It's better than a real job. <laughs> That's awesome. This actually. is not what my camp counselor told me I'd be doing for a yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> my guidance counselor in high school. Yeah. I want to be a podcaster. <laughs> oh, what? Well, now we're in the situation where our children are starting to think about careers and same problem. Yeah, right? we're trying to warn them don't go in, don't do what your don't old man do does. Yeah, don't do this. Please I don't, don't think we have a problem with that. Yeah. They're, they're pretty sure that, you know, the downside to, to being the child of a parent with a crazy career like this, they see a lot of the hard bits like being away a lot. All right, roll that crazy music. Hit me. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, uh, I found this really cool site. Uh, there's a site called HTML5Rocks.com. How and nice. It's interesting, HTML5Rocks on .NET Rocks. Okay. Um, never heard of them before, but they, they have this great little tool called the Playground. Oh. If you go to playground.html5rocks.com, it's a sort of interactive tutorial for uh, JavaScript APIs, for HTML, and for CSS with samples cool and not only do you have the sample files but you have places where you can mess around with them and then try them sort of like a little fiddler area uh and i just like it i like it because it's all in one place and you can sort of it's concise it's not uh you know there's not stuff splattered all over the screen that you have to sort of follow and get confused about it it's it's nicely laid out and it's easy way to waste an afternoon and you also get away from installing anything or yeah. you know if you were actually playing with html5 for the first time yeah or even not for the first time i mean some of these uh you know apis are things that not a lot of people may have played with like uh, async transactions in a web sql database mm -hmm. yeah like uh the file storage the file api like notifications geolocation so some of this stuff is pretty native drag and drop Neat. Right? Stuff that's not necessarily beginner stuff. Yeah, this is not just about, hey, make a box around your text. Yeah. This is, hey, take Go to W3 of... schools for that. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is cool stuff. This is stuff. about serious HTML5 stuff. 3D transformations. It's good stuff. That is neat. Audio tag with fallback to flash. It's kind of cool. So check it out, playground.html5rocks.com. Have a good time. That's cool, buddy. Yeah. I like it. Good find. Who's talking to us, man? I grabbed a comment off of show 897. And that is the one we did with Mr. Sells. We talked about uh, TypeScript and a bunch of other things. And this comment comes from Mario Carnejo, who says, uh, I believe that the main reason why non-Microsoft developers don't use TypeScript 
as much as Microsoft developers do is because of Visual Studio. Not that he means to complain about Visual Studio per se. He says, when you are using it just as a text editor and unit test, then TypeScript makes you type a lot more code with not a lot of benefit. But TypeScript really shines when you have Visual Studio there to provide metadata to help you out. Yeah, okay. Does that make sense? I'll go for that. Well, and it, it just, you know, I think about the block of shows we've done here at NDC, and a number of times it's come up about what about working in Sublime Text, or, you know, how do you live without Visual Studio, or is Visual Studio too heavy, and so on. And, and in, in, when you're talking about a webby, webby world, like what TypeScript's supposed to live in, its dependency on Visual Studio might be a liability. And then how do you make sure it has a great experience everywhere? So, Mario, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, and Android. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app. Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And before we go any further, let me tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release over 40 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access with a wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything Microsoft, lots and lots of HTML5 and CSS3 and JavaScript. So try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. With that, let us welcome back to the show Mark Rendell. Mark is the founder and CEO of Oort Corporation a new company building cloud-based software. Get it? Oort Cloud? Get it? Nice. Get it? Get Oort it? Cloud, yeah. All the yeah. asteroids come from. A few from. comets here and there. Yeah. For people who build cloud-based software, Oort's first product, Zudio, a web-based Windows Azure storage toolkit, launched in April 2013. Mark has been a Windows Azure development MVP for three years. In his spare time, Mark works on the simple.data not in ORM and simple.web projects, and wanders the world speaking at conferences and user groups. Or he just geeks out learning new programming languages and frameworks. In 2013, he's working a lot with TypeScript and AngularJS. Welcome, Mark. Hi. Welcome back. Do we do have to have a little few Oort Cloud references? Because clearly you and I are both science fiction fans. Yes. So you're okay with the whole planetary demotion of Pluto, speaking of Oort Clouds? Um, I, I was kind of... I like Jonathan Coulton's song about it. Have yeah. you heard that? Um, <laughs> I'm your moon. Uh, and, and I do have a t-shirt, one of those t-shirts somewhere that says, um, don't worry, Pluto, I'm not a planet either. <laughs> was, it, was it Neil deGrasse Tyson who ultimately had to make he the call? Because well, he's part of the Astrophysicist Union, yeah. Yeah. and so he was in on the debate. I mean, the, the he was the was, one who gets blamed for it. Right, because yeah. Yeah. he's such a public face. Yeah. Yeah, but right. the, I mean, the point that Eris, the new planet they found that was actually bigger than Pluto, yeah, and also had an erratic or cloud orbit. It's like, yeah. well, what are you going to do? Because we're going to keep finding more of these things. I mean, it's tiny. It's it's less one quarter of one percent the mass of Earth. Yeah, it is, and that and it's and that's Eris. Yeah, and that's still like twenty five percent bigger than Pluto. Like, yeah, I mean, I think because Pluto and and Charon or Charon, I don't know yeah. how you pronounce that. They're they're essentially like the same size. They're more like a binary yeah. asteroids, and they spend half their orbit inside the orbit of Neptune anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> well, anyway. I don't mean to be too geeky about this whole thing, but it is pretty cool. <laughs> it is interesting. We well, are in an interesting time. So I think it was at the London road trip. We interviewed Dan North after 
we went out for a pint, and uh, and you were there, Mark, and uh, we were talking about the pain of. I was talking about to you, the pain of just dealing with files in Azure, uh, using FTP, and you know, what a pain that is, and or using Visual Studio. I guess is nice and easy, but I wish there was some easier tools to use outside of Visual Studio, and uh, you know, in the Azure tools, uh, you know, because I'm not a huge PowerShell user. So that that stuff isn't obviously easy to me, and and you were mentioning this tool yeah. that you're working on. So tell us about it. So, um, yeah, Zudio is uh, it originated when uh, I've been doing kind of Azure consultancy and various projects for various customers on Azure for for a long time, and uh, I just deployed something for the UK Met Office, which they were uploading kind of gigabytes of data every hour and it was getting stuffed on a queue and then processed and then released through the open data.gov.uk thing that we have. Um, and I was on a customer's, another customer's site where I wasn't allowed to use my own laptop uh, or and it couldn't connect to the internet using their Wi-Fi. And I had my iPad with me um, and with the, the 3G connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Met Office get in touch and say, the queue stopped processing and, and we need to know why. And I had absolutely no way of being able to check. I couldn't install one of the pieces of Windows software for mm. working with Azure mm. on this customer's PC because that was locked down. And there was no iPad app uh, sure. that I could use to connect. And so I thought, I should write an iPad app. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started looking at doing that, but it involved um, either using MonoTouch, uh, but still having to deal with Xcode and interface still need builder a Mac. And, and all these sorts of things, right. and, and having a Mac, um, or you know, actually biting the bullet and doing it in Objective C, which yeah. is one of my least favorite languages. And you still need a Mac. And you still need a Mac. <laughs> um, and then I thought, but you know, if it was like a decent uh, mobile compatible website, yeah. that would work just as well. Um, and you don't really need the native thing because when what you're dealing with is your cloud storage, right. the ability to work offline doesn't really have much meaning. Nope, not a factor. Um, so I started building it as a, as a web application and it went through nine months of like the first iteration and I built a third of it using um, jQuery and an off-the-shelf library of HTML controls and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then... In October last year, Anders announced TypeScript, and I thought, oh, that looks good. And um, as I started playing with TypeScript, people started contributing definition files. Yes. Um, and one of those was for Angular. What a nice community around TypeScript. Yeah, there is. It's, it's funny, because I'm quite cynical after no. after 20-odd years of, of working in this business. Isn't your bio photo Stadler from the, yeah. from the Muppet Show? Yeah, I, Not um, that you would be cynical or anything. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, but this guy, Boris, uh, somebody, Yankov, um, said, I've started a repository on GitHub. It's called Definitely Typed, and if everyone sends me their definition files, and I'll kind of collate them and curate them, and, and that'll be the place that everyone goes. And I just thought... Who the hell are you? Why Why is that going to work? That's just got no chance. People are going to be all egotistical and go, oh, it, I, I do mine, this so I'll keep mine over here and go But there. you look on definitely typed now. It's still just a, a GitHub repository. There's not like a big package manager type site around right. it. But there's over 200 definitions on there. 
Um, it's amazing. I mean, and it worked. It worked. People really did want um, You know, it's linked off the, the main TypeScript website. This is where you go to get your definition files. Nice. Well, and I also like the idea that there's a lot of people who are willing to build dev files, but hosting them isn't trivial. No. I feel like we're getting mature mm. in, our, in our culture now that you know, actually know what's hard. Yeah. And, you know, curation is valuable. Yeah. Or it's provided incredible bit. service there. Yeah. And, you know, you get this kind of peer review thing. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for definitely typed, then I'd go looking for an Angular definition file and I'd find like six or seven different ones. How exactly. do you know which one's the good one? The, the most correct right. out of so, them. So let's, getting back to the product itself, ZUDIO. Yes, sorry. ZUDIO. Um, I'm looking at the feature set and, you know, just looking at blob storage, table storage, and queues. It's a Azure cloud storage toolkit. So you can create and manage and delete containers, upload, download, and manage blobs, copy blobs, including between accounts. Uh, for tables, you create, manage, and delete tables, view, edit, and create, and all this stuff. In queues, creating, manage, delete. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Shouldn't the Azure management stuff do this? Allow you to do this? Why? Why is? Why does there have to be a third-party tool for this? Um, well, I would obviously at this point say no. It definitely shouldn't. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but that you would, would not think, make me happy. You would think, um, though. That, I am uh, surprised that they haven't done it. Yeah. Um, certainly for Windows Azure SQL database. Yeah. Uh, they have got a limited tool in the cloud. But basically, Microsoft's answer for working with your Azure SQL database is it works with SQL Management Studio. Mm, right. And their answer for working with tables and blobs and queues is to build it into the Azure SDK in Visual Studio. Yeah, um, and that's it. Like, and that's, should... that's where their business is. Right. Um, and there is a, a big ecosystem outside of that people sure. writing things that plug into azure or work with azure yeah um and i don't know if uh if microsoft maybe think uh well we've got too many people out there too many kind of silver and gold partners mm -hmm. and platinum partners who were building things in this direction right. so now we don't want to tread on their toes maybe. so people always say um the functionality that's in ReSharper or Code Rush, why isn't that just natively sure, yeah, in Visual I suppose, Studio? I suppose. Um, Microsoft, have, I suppose, have to leave some, some uh, things for other people to do. So I'm very hopeful that they won't build it into the <laughs> yeah, portal. Sure. Um, and <clears> that if they decide that there is something that they want to do, I am up for acquisition. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, it just seems like it. It should be, and and it looks beautiful. I mean, the website looks great, and it looks very much like it belongs in the Azure in the Azure management it's, portal. It's designed to complement. Yeah, it's not not a direct imitation. No, um, no, it just has that feel. It, yeah. it sort of segues nicely. And well, you in know, people say, design, I've shrunk the window all the way down, and it turns into a phone looking yeah, app. Yeah. You know, um, but people say, why don't you do this? piece of functionality and mm. I'm kind of like that's that's more the management side and you can do that in the portal right and it's not like so the desktop applications tend to build all this functionality and so you've got it all in this one place um, but really in the browser it's kind of control T manage and then just go to the the portal and you've got them both there right um, and you can be logged in with the same live ID and everything so there's there's just no value at all in Repeat, repeating their functionality. Sure. Um, definitely but, need, you definitely know, need... When we first started moving uh, the show files into the cloud, Carl had to build a tool for S3. 
yeah. to be able to pick them up and, yeah. and ship them around. Like we always end up with this yep. problem. Right. It's like, okay, I get that the cloud's up there, but it needs to be down here too. Yeah. You know, yeah, you need yeah. to have a, a way of actually communicating, putting stuff in yeah, there. Especially if you, but you know, the problem is you have a lot of files and you're a lot of data and it's in various formats and you have rules ar- around moving them and it just invariably lends itself to writing your own scripts. And yeah. That, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Get it done. Um, one of the big advantages with with having this as a web-based application is that I've got servers, and I've actually got more servers than I can possibly use because I'm on Bispark Plus. Yeah. So Microsoft are giving me kind of thousands of dollars worth of Azure. Sure. Um, but so if you want to copy like an entire uh, an entire account almost, so copy all the containers from the West US data center to the East US data center mm-hmm. or something, you can actually just say to Zudio, start doing that, and then shut your laptop down and, and get on a plane. And yeah. um, you don't have to pull all the files down through your internet connection and push them back up again. Sure. They right. just go straight across you, uh, and you in can the step cloud. out so. of the process. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah, that's uh, an advantage. Yeah, that's quite nice. So uh, should we talk a little bit of the responsive web design part of this thing? Like clearly you've made it for every kind of, of device. You, you started out wanting an iPad app. Started out wanting an iPad app. So, and at the moment it works, uh, works great on iPad and um, it works great on my Nexus 7 uh, Android tablet. So um, <laughs> I, I get to say that I need this and I need this and I need this for testing and, right. and my wife has to just go, yeah, <laughs> line right, up man. everything yeah yeah, um, yeah I, she, I all, she drew the line at a Retina MacBook Pro ah. um, see this is so. what I'm saying it's always the monitors that they draw the line yeah. Yeah. Spouses say, you yeah. don't need a bigger monitor you don't need a better looking monitor <laughs> but you no, can see your code just fine <laughs> yeah um, it's not great on uh, on phones unless you've got like a nice 5 inch phone you can use you it on a bigger that phone. Um, but uh, I'm just about to release 1.1. It's going to go out uh, next week, mm-hmm. um, and that works better on phones. And then I'm upgrading to it's on Bootstrap 2. Point something at the moment, mm-hmm. um, and I'm upgrading to Bootstrap 3. And at that point, it will work great on phones okay. as well, and on everything, uh, everything out there. Hmm. And then it's the main thing here is just moving files around in an intelligent way, right? Uh, yeah, and and sort of being able to go in and see your data, and um, I mean, blobs is the the main thing that people seem to use. So that's right. that's kind of the area that's had the most attention because <laughs> it is it, that is something hard to handle. Yeah, for the most part, it is a um, program, tends to be a programmatic thing. But uh, I mean, you were uh, talking about the HTML five rocks. Right, right at the start of the show um and what you can do in the browser with files and you've got the file system api and you've got native drag and drop mm-hmm. so uh in the version that's coming out next week you can have your browser window open and you can have your list of files in your container uh there in the browser and just drag a folder or something on or drag a set of files onto the browser window, mm-hmm. drop it on that list, and it will automatically uh, start the upload process. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and it's doing chunked uploads, so it does a megabyte at a time. I've done that, um, the same thing. It, it drove, I pulled my hair out doing it mm. just because the file API is crazy. Yes. Um, 
it's it's designed by committee, so of course it is. <laughs> and not only that, but you know the the thing that reads data, you would think reads binary data, but it reads it as binary strings, yes. which is stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on, just give me a byte array. Why can't you just do, do you that? Can't, so if you uh, if you are happy to say to everybody on IE nine or below, uh, go away. Right. Um, you can actually uh, read. Array buffers of binary data yeah, directly, that's what I do. and the XML HTTP request two yep. um, supports passing a byte array as the send yep. uh, method on that. Um, and I'm very lucky, uh, and I like uh, I like rubbing people's noses in it. Um, <laughs> but because my entire target demographic is basically web guys, yeah, um, I don't have to worry about IE eight. Right. Um, and actually, I don't really have to worry about IE9. Uh, they've got Chrome. They've got Firefox. Yep. Um, I have had a couple of, of uh, bugs reported by people who are, for some reason, using Firefox 19 on OS X. Hmm. Um, uh. But it's, it's kind of non-critical. It's, it's that yeah. the Windows Live logout doesn't work, um, okay. which is, you know, there are worse problems. Yeah. Um, they're not actually broken. They're just yeah. annoyed. But I get to use ECMAScript 5. I get to use the native drag right. and drop and all right. these sorts of things. And I don't have to worry about graceful degradation because mm-hmm. uh, it's, um, you know, people go, it doesn't work in IE. If you they said say, it doesn't work in IE 11, I'd go, well, use Chrome. You've got Chrome. Yeah, get a real browser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Go away. Um, so, use one that it works in. Leave me alone. But uh, can't, yeah, I. I have to have IE and Chrome all the time now. Some sites don't mm. work right in Chrome either. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm doing some work with a, a customer at the moment, and um, their site only works in Chrome right now. It's, right. it's kind of in development, and the last thing they're doing when they Shipping. get to the end is making it work properly in Firefox and, and IE. Right. Because otherwise, every time you fix something, you've got to fix it in, effectively in three places. Right. Or test it in three places. It's much easier to get the bulk of everything working in one browser, and uh, and then go back and then go and just find the things that are breaking Firefox or or IE. Yeah. Well, by the time you've got the site built, it's the new version of Chrome out anyway. So, yeah, it's such it's even I even IE's gone pretty fast. It's getting there, um, and now it does automatically update you as well. Yeah. There's, there's no kind of. Uh, optional update. It's kind of oh, I will put IE eleven on your system. Here comes your new browser. Yeah. Well, Chrome's always done that. You you decide to install Chrome once, and you get Chrome uh, every time. Yes, and it and that was right from the start. That mm-hmm. was their their approach. So yeah, absolutely comes to expect it. So the back end is actually Azure. Like you're you're using Azure's services. Yes. So the the site and the public the web services right. are running on Azure websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and the background stuff, so if you say, I want to copy this or export this table, right. uh, is all running on Azure worker roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I like Azure. If I had built a, a game or, or whatever it was, I would probably have, have gone for the Azure hosting option. Right. But in this case, because I'm pulling data out of people's Azure storage accounts, um, I can have my code that's doing that in the same data center as their storage account, nice. which means everything goes really quickly. Um, so if I'm using this, I'm buying my own normal Azure storage account. Yes. I'm not using yours. No. It's not like you're somehow reselling Azure No, here. I'm not selling storage. Right. I'm selling tools for working with your storage. That makes sense. Um, 
And uh, everything web-based. What what technology? Uh, you mentioned Bootstrap. Other technologies? Uh, so it's Bootstrap and an Angular JS, mm-hmm. um, which work very nicely together. And there's a big, uh, not quite official project called Angular UI. Angular um, UI. Yeah, and that's uh, so Bootstrap has got two parts to it. You've got Bootstrap CSS and Bootstrap JS. Right. Um, and Bootstrap CSS is all the um, stylings and text box looks and, and column grid layouts and so forth. Yeah. And then Bootstrap JS is a bunch of components like date pickers and type of head fields and so forth. Um, but Bootstrap JS relies on jQuery. Right. Yeah. Angular JS doesn't rely on jQuery and has its own little JQ light thing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a kind of a competition or a challenge or something for Angular guys to say, I can write my application without including jQuery. Right. Um, it does seem to be the bad guy these days, doesn't it? I don't, I don't know why it, people are doing that all of a sudden. I think. Um, well, there's so much of jQuery that they don't need. That's probably why. Yeah. jQuery it, has gotten it big. It got big. It needs yeah. modularizing. It needs kind yeah. of required well, JSing so you they can spun off the mobile um, thing. But yeah. yeah, they could do more. Um, but I think also people forget that what jQuery started out doing was hiding Dom the differences between all the browser DOMs. Yeah. And now that's not such a problem. Right. Um, but most of the backlash seems to be that people go on to Stack Overflow and say, how do I do this in JavaScript? And the answer starts with a dollar. Right. And people, <laughs> that's, that's not JavaScript. That's jQuery. Yeah, no, right. Um, that's awesome, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Yeah. Deep down, even in the computing culture, we have this, you know, the incumbents get ragged on. Mm. This, you, the worst thing that can happen to your JavaScript library is you become successful. Then you become the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you, you see it happen. Java, you know, Java was the great savior and all this sure, sort of stuff. It's going to make everything better. Um, and now everyone kind of rags on Java um, and say, you know, you have to use Clojure or, or Scala, Scala or, you know. Whatever you want, just for God's sake, don't actually run Java code on the JVM. That's the <laughs> worst thing you could do. Um, but so yeah. much software still runs Java. So much. Yes. Well, three billion devices I yeah. get informed yeah. every time I install it. Yeah. Um, just after it asks me if I want to install the Ask Toolbar. Yeah. <laughs> no. no I don't. the two are so related, <laughs> never, aren't they? Never have. The Ask Toolbar needs to die. Well, I'm, I'm also really unhappy. You know, every time you think people, you know, Microsoft's the enemy, then you go look at a company like Oracle. Yeah. You're like, wow, they're so evil, they don't even debate it. Yeah. They're just That's We're, <laughs> their, their motto is do evil, yeah. Yeah. not do no evil, do evil. I think, you know, maybe it's, we've been doing evil, where have you been? Yeah, where yeah. have you been? <laughs> what do you mean do no evil? What are you, crazy? <laughs> evil paid for my yachts. <laughs> <laughs> and my island. Yeah. And my MiG fighters. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough, and, and it, I always get the sense that Oracle has such a level of indifference towards developers, like they just couldn't oh, care less. God, yeah, I was just, yeah. Um, yeah, Java. I mean, Sun didn't didn't love it anymore, and then they got bought by Oracle, and right. Oracle only bought it so they could sue Google over it. And, right. uh, allegedly, by me, that's my opinion. Doesn't <laughs> represent the opinion of well, it does. I just um, I remember we. We were, we had some Microsoft guy, um, Visual Studio, back when the you know all the languages in in Visual Studio were the whole thing, and 
what was it? Visual J plus plus. Yeah. When, oh, when yes. they got rid of that, and I asked this person, I can't remember who it was. So why did you get rid of Visual J plus plus? And they said, well, we kept getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> we try to support Java, we keep getting sued. Well, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to rock out to Phil Collins' Ode to Azure Cloud Storage Tools, Zuzuzudio. <laughs> he's trying not to laugh, he's but he knows to... he wants yeah, to laugh. That's now his theme song. You just found a theme song <laughs> for him. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, uh, uh. All right, never mind. Never mind. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, let's talk about Telerik Icinium, which lets you develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript, all from within Visual Studio. Right. The capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery Mobile, as well as integrated testing and development capabilities. All this makes Icinium a robust end-to-end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. So start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com slash DNR, and that's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. For sure. So who's our winner, bud? Today's winner is Smriti Dugal. Ah, congratulations, Smriti. Golf clap for you. Yeah, golf clap for Smriti. And Smriti wins a Telerik Debcraft Complete Collection. That's just about everything Telerik does in one box, a $2,000 value. We give away one in every show. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world Every show we give away stuff. Every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member. We gave away a tablet development environment, a mobile development environment. The year before that we gave away a mobile development PC. Um, the, the choice was up to the winner, yep. basically. We always said, we said what do choice. you want? And then we build it for them or order it in, assemble it. Get yeah, it figured their out. friends say, don't answer that email. It's yes. Nigerian scammers. Yeah, we like to be Nigerian princes, too. So anyway, we like to ask our guests... Mark, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? Um, an Oculus Rift. Yes. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. And, and the hardware. I've just, just spent £2,000 on a, on a PC, and it turns out that will buy you a nice PC. Yeah, so yes, that's it does. Like, what, $3,000 worth? Probably, um, yeah, yeah. A little more. Uh, but, yeah, I think I would possibly treat myself to one of those new mac pros the retina display back with uh, with a with the retina cinema display right. attached to it but right. you know, yeah like the, five code windows side by side yeah but you can't read them <laughs> well, it's so small just binoculars <laughs> <laughs> or a microscope one or the other i need a magnifier for this you, you can't run that thing in full resolution which no. is regular text you have to turn it up um or no, the other. So, talk, I'm talking about the Oculus Rift. Have you seen yeah. the thing that you kind of attach yourself to this thing that goes around your waist and then you can walk around oh, as well? On the directional treadmill. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, I don't know. Five grand would probably get what, me. The, what is it called exactly? This thing you're talking the, about? Omnix or. It's, it's like an omnidirectional treadmill. Treadmill. Um, so, is it for walking or is it for playing games? You, you walk on it, but you right. don't move. Right. You don't oh. and, you can, and you can turn and 
duck and, oh, and so all this sort of for, thing. It is for playing um, games. So it's for controlling games. So when you're playing like Battlefield 4 or whatever, oh, you can go running around and you actually run around. Wow. So um, you're running, but you're not going anywhere. You're harnessed yeah, into this thing. So you're safe. Because yeah. you think about it. And if you turn, it turns with you. Yeah. Well, the, it's all in the Oculus, right? The thing right. that's scary about this is you're running wearing a face mask. Yeah, you that's can't crazy. see the real world. So you need to be safe. But the Oculus has really good directional st- stabilizers and sensors so when you turn your head it's panning around the view neat so yeah. and it has to be right on right because it'll make you immediately nauseous if you get it wrong yeah right pretty yeah. interesting so i think if you had the treadmill and the oculus so that is sort of the holodeck be, yeah right, if you think it's, about it's it it's the closest we're going to get for a while because you really uh, feel feel like but you're i'd actually walking. be getting fit while Vir- i was yeah, playing virtuix omni is the one that's you're the virtuix about, omni yeah. virtuix omni so yeah, and I think they're both kind of dev kits at the moment. So yeah, I they think were Kickstarters. That would probably soak up my five grand pretty quickly. All right. So let's get back to what's involved in developing something like a Zudio. You have uh, obviously you, you were talking about Angular and and all of these basic web things, but you had to do a lot of uh, interfacing with the Azure SDK as well. Yes. What was the biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge is that it keeps changing. <laughs> mm. the, the constant stream of updates drive you crazy? Yeah. Did you have um, to write layers of abstraction to, to, to keep your code clean? It's more that when I started writing it, uh, the Azure SDK, I think, was on 1.7 and then 1.8. Yeah. And um, there were a lot of things that it didn't do that yeah. you had to use the REST API for. Sure. And essentially what Microsoft do with every iteration on the SDK mm-hmm. is they achieve more parity with what you can do using the native REST thing. Yeah. And so when SDK 2.0 came out, I got to throw away hundreds, maybe thousands of lines of code that wow. had taken me a very long time to write and oh, was wow. very painful to write. And I think I'd, I'd just about got it working and then they went, you can do that using the SDK now. And you're just kind of like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm okay with you taking lines of code out. It said that you didn't have to replace them with another thousand lines of new code. Yeah. So uh, I didn't have to do that. But okay. it was just kind of how much further ahead could I have been if yeah. you just released this um, a month ago? Because I've spent the last month doing that. Hmm. Right. Um, the... Uh, Keeping up with new features is not too bad. Um, mm. Storage is fairly stable compared to the rest of the platform. It's kind of a known pattern, really, yeah. isn't it? Um, and you know, they'll go. They've just introduced uh, support for cores on Blob Storage, mm-hmm. um, and so I've cores? got to put in uh, cross-origin resource sharing. Oh, okay. So basically, uh, a, a web page that's been served from thing.com right. uh, can access resources on. Uh, thang.com. Right. Um, <laughs> Thinking Thang? Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's pretty so cool. You can actually. manage that in, in blob storage now. Yeah. Um, so I've got to build in functionality for working with that. So, for example, if we had guests on uh, .NET Rocks mm-hmm. that we wanted to access on the tablet show, wouldn't be a problem. It wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, obviously on the server side, because uh, the big issue is that you can't talk directly from browser to Azure. Right. Um, and partly because it's very complicated XML that's getting thrown around, mm. and JavaScript's not great with XML. Right. Um, but mainly because of this cross-origin resource sharing. If people, if I was going to try and talk directly to your storage account, mm-hmm. you'd have to add Zudio uh, to 
the cross-origin resource sharing to let it access all these things. Um, so I have to go through servers, and then the code on the servers can do whatever they like. So all I've right. got um, web code running on just regular .NET code uh, using simple web um, running on the servers. Are you able to avoid having the file transfer pass through your service? Because I would think then you're paying for every byte that's being uploaded. Uh, they don't charge for ingress. Okay. So, which is good. Yeah, that's um, nice. That, that is keeping my costs down. Right. And uh, if you download a file, I don't actually push that through my servers. Right, so you have a Partly for the cost. It's not so much the cost. It's not a huge cost for transferring, you know, a few gigs of data. Um, it's mainly the streaming something through a server just uses a lot of, of resources and locks things sure. up that would be better used for other stuff. Well, and, so, you, and you get a few thousand of those going at once, you're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you have a blob that is publicly visible, then I'll just link to it and you can download it directly. Right. And if you your have bandwidth, one, not mine. Yeah, and then if you have one that's not publicly visible, I generate a shared access signature for you that will last for long enough for you to download it and then uh, redirect you to that. Right. Um, and you download it that way. Uh, so no, um, the only times when I have to pay for uh, data transfer is if people for some so Azure's got eight data centers at the moment, right? But not everything is available in all the data centers. Yeah. The North and South US data centers, in particular, are not accepting new worker roles at this this time, and websites isn't available in South US and so forth. Mm -hmm. So sometimes. When people are uploading files, they have to upload to kind of West US, and then I'll push that out again to North US. Right. Um, and that costs me money. Right. But like I say, I'm on Bispark Plus, so at the moment, that's not a huge issue. Yeah. Uh, and also, people don't seem to be using the North and South US data centers very much at all for anything. I think most people just want the cloud to be the cloud. Right? The whole idea that locality matters. Yeah. I mean, it's always mattered. I've been a web performance guy for a long time, and I've always cared about locality. Yeah. It was one of the main... Getting good at that made me a lot of money. Mm. But I think we didn't call that cloud then. We called that content delivery networks. Yeah. And the whole point was yeah. it was a network. We try to hide this concept of locality in the cloud. So there's the people who don't want to care, right. but there's also the people who really care a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the UK, uh, we don't have a, an Azure data center. Right. We've got the Dublin data center, which right. is outside UK sovereignty, obviously. Uh, and there's the West Europe. To the east of, of Dublin is the West Europe data center. Right. Um, but when you talk to government or banks in this country in particular, yeah. they say, well, we can't keep our data in Azure because it, it would it leave the UK and it yeah. has to be in. And part of that's legislation and part of it's just reactionary ideas about wanting your, you know, the, the bizarre notion that for some reason, if your data's in a Rackspace data center in the middle of London, the NSA aren't going to be able to see it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I worked with a large organization dealing with this issue around email. Yeah. And there was this whole thing of, you know, what data center is safest from the Patriot Act is the one they were talking yeah. about. Yeah. And it didn't take very long to figure out no data no, center. No data anywhere is safe. Yeah. If they really, really want it, they're going to get it. The argument we actually made is that Ireland was the best place for it. Because if you've ever been to that data center, like, the, all those machines are in 
shipping containers inside of a highly secure warehouse. That is a terrifyingly secure. It's yeah, it's a compound, isn't it? It's security by inertia too. You want the machine? (laughs) It's up there somewhere. Go crazy. Yeah, a group of people going uh, PCI compliance, which is the the sort of credit credit card card thing. and one of the things for that is is making sure it's physically secure so no one can walk in there and just take your machine and, and, and take it, it away. And it's right. kind of like if you've got your data in, in Azure SQL, right. then, yeah, go on then. You, yeah. you steal Have that it. machine with yeah. my, my you, data on you, it. Yeah, if you can find it, you deserve the data on that machine. Yeah, so, absolutely. So talking about blob storage transfer and blob transfer, we in, in our case, we have uh, obviously all our files on S3. Is there any way to just automatically transfer those from S3 or from any URL, for example? Yes. So you can import from any publicly accessible URL. Um, you can import a file directly into any Blob uh, account. Now, we have a list that goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. That's quite all right. Yeah. Can I yeah. point you to a directory and say all the files in this directory? Um, or do I have to give you a specific yet. list of URLs? No, you can't do that just yet. Yeah. Uh, you basically put in a URL at a time. That's um, fine. But I could script it. You can script it. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, early next year, um, I'm going to start looking at, at ways to kind of ramp this up in terms of development uh, velocity and so forth. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to look at doing is uh, integrating with Amazon's storage as well right um and actually be able to say uh you know um copy this s3 bucket to sure. this as your data center or right. copy this Vice blob versa. container to the amazon data so center cloud redundancy and, and yeah effectively yeah, yeah that would be a wonderful um, thing actually for us yeah there's a there's a lot of people there's the one that you're not allowed to name who use both azure and amazon uh, <laughs> to, to back their um very very big um, they're very, very big cloud operation, but yeah. yes, there, there are serious NDAs in place. And, you know, I think they were Amazon and Microsoft's biggest customers. Uh, Amazon now have a, a bigger one, uh, which you're also not allowed to mention, but, right. um, but yeah, uh, they have redundancy. They're in every Amazon data center. They're in every Azure data center, mm. uh, all around the world. And everything is, is just everywhere. Um, but I want to kind of open that up to people on nice. a on a slightly smaller budget. Yeah, nice. Yeah, just have that that effect and, and, and have choice there, and it should be transparent. It should just work. It should just work. Um, and the other thing that I'm I'm looking at doing is uh, to give you the ability to say um, run a, a scheduled task uh, every five minutes or mm-hmm. or every fifteen minutes, depending on what level of subscription you're prepared to pay for, that will keep this thing and this thing in sync and yeah. that might be a blob container and an s3 bucket or it might be a dropbox folder and a blob container yeah, or, yeah. or whatever or it could be kind of two tables in different data centers right um so yeah there's all sorts of things that you can do uh as, cool. as services running in the background just making that making that stuff easy for everyone to use yeah uh, so yeah, this is obviously more more to be built here. Mm. Do you see uh, this being integrated into other people's apps, like stuff on the phone? Like, why would you use this over, say, SkyDrive? Um, hmm. SkyDrive is like consumer focused, right. so 
uh, it's weird. Um, I was talking to somebody at Microsoft, and they were saying that people ask them uh, how to get files into blob storage. And they're right. kind of like, what sort of files do you want to get into blob? Well, I just want to back up my photos. And they go, no, you SkyDrive for that. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I've found some weird problems with SkyDrive, though, and, and that is, um, you know, when syncing, you've got a large set of directories to sync, and, you know, you just set it aside and let it sync. Yeah. Some of those files may or may not be available locally. Yes. It's uh, weird. It's, and it is, I don't know exactly how to get them. SkyDrive has this very strange thing. about it, They don't talk about files. They talk about documents. Yeah. And but, if you look at the API that you get for SkyDrive, it was basically uh, photos, videos, yes. and music files. Yeah, so what happens if um, I have like an EXE that yeah. has DLLs and You couldn't upload a zip and, and this sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is the nice thing about Dropbox is it's completely agnostic. You stick yeah. a file yeah. in there, it comes down somewhere else. Yeah, I don't want an opinionated storage system. Yeah, I don't. No. And actually, Microsoft are addressing it. As, as time goes on. But, right. you know, but, I, could, yeah. I could see using your tool here. You yeah. Know, if you, if you just um, have, you want to just replace all that with so blob storage. There is the possibility of, and this is something that I've discussed, um, we're kind of drawing up business plan uh, 2.0 at the moment, having mm -hmm. uh, achieved business plan 1.0, which was survive while I write this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now we're on to 2.0, where are we going to go with it? Um, but one thing that, that has been suggested is making it more consumer-friendly. Sure. Um, and maybe doing a kind of uh, including some storage and just subletting my own storage. Because people don't want to have to go into the Azure portal and sign up for it and, uh, and set up a credit card arrangement with Microsoft and, and everything else. But if I can go, I'll give you a free gigabyte. Um, or I can work with your own storage. Uh, but also there's the possibility of white labeling this for, for other people who are um, maybe providing a, but why a not? Why, rental system. Why wouldn't so. I want to just... I, I would want to go into my Azure portal and sign up for storage and give them my credit card number and all that stuff and then just be able to access that through an easy-to-access tool. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah, and I guess some people would. Um, I mean, to be able to do that with with Zudio, wouldn't I? Yeah, you could do that. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, the idea is to keep it, you know, as simple as it can possibly be. be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe you have some kind of more complicated processes. We're doing enterprise licensing. That's what I'm working on at the moment. Yeah. Um, where I actually layer permissions over the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can... People from your organization can log in with their Active Directory Sure. credentials and then you can control which blob containers they can see and, and all this sort of thing right um and that has the potential for an enterprise to just go well this is where we're keeping our files from now on because it's like a an f drive in the sky where we can control which folders and containers and so forth different people can see and whether they can write and read and all that sort of thing yep so yeah so the potential's there so that's sort of the next step is to m maybe sort of make it consumery yes yeah. Um, I mean, this is why I need to to find some way of of you know getting some uh, some Series A funding or something, right? It's because there's so many different things, um, and really, what I need to be doing now is is throwing more of them at the wall. Well, is there anything our audience can help you with? Uh, how many listeners do you have? Uh, 
thousands and thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. If they all send me $10 each, <laughs> <laughs> everyone send me $10. Um, no, I mean, I would just say, you know, try Zudio. Um, right. Have a play with it. There's a 30-day free trial. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's missing something that you need, then do give me feedback and, and so forth. Um, and if there are any uh, investors out there who are looking for a, a tech-space product to invest in, mm-hmm. then, yeah, do get in touch because have got some big ideas. All right, Mark. Well, it's been great talking to you, and this is a great product. I'm going to check it out. Thank you. Love it. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a...